Welcome to the Leadership Now podcast with Dr. Aaron Rock, lead pastor of Harvest Bible Church in Windsor, Ontario. On this show, we talk about the nuts and bolts of theology, church life, cultural issues, pastoral leadership, ethics, and other relevant matters that will help you to lead better now. I'm your host, Chris Yeoman, and today's title is The Trucker Convoy and the Rise of Extremism. Now, in this first part of this episode today, we're going to discuss the trucker convoy that many of you are aware of, which is forming across Canada to protest vaccine mandates and to stand for liberty. And we're going to talk about the allegations of extremist groups rising in Canada. But just before we get into that, we actually wanted to address a couple of questions that listeners have sent in. Uh, Just a reminder to those of you that are perhaps wanting to send questions in, you can send them to ask ask at harvestwindsor.ca and we'll get those questions featured in the show as soon as we can. Uh, And so today we have a question coming in about sphere sovereignty. Uh, And so we wanted to have you address that, Aaron, in terms of this listener is looking for, uh, they know we've talked about sphere sovereignty on the show several times, but they're looking for specific scriptural backing for this concept. is it just a new concept that kind of came up? You know, sure. is it an invented thing or is it grounded in scripture? And so maybe we can talk to that for a moment. Yeah. So um, sphere sovereignty is something we have talked about on on this show. And just for those that may not be aware of it, the basic concept is, is that God has assigned a measure of authority to different spheres of life. So the government or the state has, a, has an amount of authority assigned to them by God and there's limits to that. And then the family has an amount of authority assigned to it, and there's limits to that. And then the church has a measure of authority assigned to it, and there's limits to that. So we call those spheres. That's just our language. And uh, that language is is trying to capture this biblical concept that uh, the state doesn't have authority over all of life. The family doesn't have authority over all of life. The the church doesn't have authority over all of life but rather they each have a, a, a circle within which they operate, sort of a sphere of delegated authority. So if you want sort of an extensive um, uh, study on that, you can go on to our website. And I did a four-part sermon series called All Under God. And I kind of outlined several scriptural passages that uh, validate that viewpoint. But very quickly, uh, we obviously have passages. So with regard to the family and the husband's responsibility over his wife, I would send you to Ephesians chapter five. You can read about his headship over his wife. Um, you can read the 10 commandments that talks about the children submitting to their parents and honoring their parents. Um, you can look at Romans 13 for the limitations of the authority that God has given to the government. You cor- cross-reference that to passages like Acts chapter uh, five. And then read the pastoral epistles, which sort of outline the authority that God has given to pastors over their churches. So, um, I, I don't want to. I don't want to. Uh, I don't want to give a half an hour res- response yeah. to that question. But I just want to kind of throw out those passages for you to study. But if you really want to understand sphere sovereignty better. I, I think it would be worth your time to listen to those four sermons. The first is an introductory sermon. And then I have a sermon on, and I can't remember the order, but I have mm-hmm. a sermon on the, the the authority God has given to families, the church, and the state. And and that's, you know, there's a lot of uh, exposition in there that might help um, the, the question the questioner to to receive a more full answer to their question. Mm-hmm. In one sense, and again, not to park on this too long, but everybody believes in sphere sovereignty to one degree. It's just more about where those lines are. <laughs> yeah. And people are just, I, I, it's a great question because, you know, on this show, this isn't a, an, a show where, whereby we uh, ex- exposit scripture. Mm-hmm. Um, this isn't a sermon. This is a, a dialogue about cultural issues and we're tying it to uh, scriptural concepts. And I would you know be happy to defend anything I say uh, scripturally. But um, I really encourage the listener to, to, to listen to those four sermons on sphere sovereignty because I, I reference multiple passages of scripture in there that will help them just really lock into this concept. It's good. Okay, one other question before we get into our content for today, and that's how can we speak truth into authority when the world really is seeming to reject authority almost entirely. You know, the upset of the the home, of the state, of the schools, et cetera. Um, so how can we speak truth to that? 
Well, I don't think the world is rejecting authority. They're just transferring authority to the state. So people, the fact that the vast majority of the population does whatever the health unit tells them to do or does whatever the state tells them to do or does whatever their physician tells them to do, et cetera. I don't, I don't believe that we live in a culture that's anti-authority. It's just they have a mixed up view of who to look for, who to look to for their source of authority. And so instead of children looking to parents, uh, congregants looking to their pastors and citizens looking to the state as those three authorities function within their God-given responsibilities, we're, we're all tending to look to the state. So I don't, I don't actually believe we live in an anti-authoritarian age. I think we just live in an age where people have a mixed up view of who to look to for their authority. So the, the way out of that, as I've said many times, we got here by lies, we get out by truth, is to teach the current generation and the coming generations to think clearly about areas of authority, who, who has been assigned what responsibilities uh, under God in life and in culture, and then to advocate for submission to those authorities. So we are big into submitting to government authority when they wield it properly. We're big into submitting to the husband's authority over his wife and children when that's exercised properly. And we're big into uh, Christian people submitting to their elders and pastors when that is exercised properly. What we will resist is tyrannical states. We'll, we will resist abusive husbands and we will resist uh, incompetent abuse of pastors. And if they transgress their sphere of authority, then as Christians, we, we have no obligation to obey them. We call them out for it. So that's kind of how I would, I would uh, handle that question. Good stuff. Okay. Well, let's move into the trucker convoy. Can you catch our listeners up to speed? If they haven't heard about it, you need to go on social media and you'll see it everywhere, hopefully. But can you tell them what's we know about the trucker convoy 2022 and its objectives? Well, it's a pretty exciting initiative. The Trucker Convoy is a an initiative of truck drivers, primarily truck drivers, but there's a lot of people in SUVs and campers and pickup trucks and cars also joining in the convoy. It's a convoy of um, people from the, the west coast of Canada, from southwestern Ontario where we're at, from the east coast of Canada, all sort of forming these lines uh, driving around key cities with signs and uh, you know horns, horns ablazing, calling for the end to tyranny, calling for the end to vaccine, forced vaccine mandates, and they're all going to converge in Ottawa in a few days as sort of a giant protest. I laughed this morning when one of my friends on social media said something like, "I just realized that." 80% or 85% of the posts on Facebook today are about the trucker convoy. That really bothered me because I was hoping it'd be 90%. <laughs> so a lot of people are talking about this. And up till now, uh, we've obviously participated in all sorts of protests and political campaigns and letter writing and petition signing and lobbying and preaching and blogging and podcasting. Many people have engaged in these efforts to push back against what we would consider to be the abuse of authority by our government, the ongoing lockdowns and health mandates, the, uh, the injustice of all these things. But this, I would say, is probably the first true mass coast-to-coast -coast protest. Mm -hmm. And in that respect, I think it's really exciting I don't know how many people are ultimately going to show up, but there's been an estimate that uh, up to 36,000 trucks, vehicles may show up in Ottawa and turn Ottawa into a giant parking lot. They're estimating there could be upwards of a half a million people mm -hmm. at this um, protest. And there has been Facebook book groups started with upwards of 700,000 uh, members they raised well over $5 million through a GoFundMe campaign. Unfortunately, GoFundMe is uh, subject to, you know, the woke agenda and the radical lefties. And so they've temporarily suspended access to those funds until, until they 
supposedly get greater clarity on it. But what's exciting about this is we see a lot of political leaders getting on board. So several MPs and at least one Canadian premier have expressed support. Uh, members of parliament, including Leslin Lewis and Andrew Scheer and uh, Pierre Poliev and Martin Shields and Kevin Waugh and Shannon Stubbs and Candace Bergen and Jeremy Paltzer have all spoken favorably about this or posted favorable videos mm -hmm. and snapshots of, of truckers rolling through their communities. So that's exciting. Uh, the Alberta Premier Jason Kenney also spoke uh, favorably about this. So this, this is pretty significant. And what, what these uh, participants are, are doing is what we're all seeking to accomplish on a very practical level. We're challenging vaccine passports. We all know they're manipulative and coercive. They're wrong. They're, they're immoral. And we're going to challenge that to say to somebody, hey, we're changing the game. You can no longer work. You can no longer drive unless you have a series of experimental jabs, which just seem to be never ending. Uh, we're speaking out against that. We're speaking out against people being fired. We're speaking out against potential supply chain disruptions. I shouldn't even say potential. They're happening. Mm -hmm. they, they've, they've happened across the country for well over a year now when it comes to commodities and parts, auto parts, et cetera. And, uh, you know, there, there's increasing situations where grocery stores are, are struggling to keep up. So these aren't conspiracies. These are facts. And the great thing is we're getting a lot of support, supportive messages from around the world. Mm -hmm. There's uh, U.S. politicians. Um, there's people from various countries that are uh, cheering on the convoy. Now, obviously, as Christians, we, we want to go a step beyond it. We want to see the supremacy of God recognized and restored in our country, and we want to see spiritual revival, and um, we're going to continue to push for that. But on a very practical level, the trucker convoy is getting all my support because uh, I'm excited about um, where this is going to lead and the pressure that they're going to put on politicians to make changes. Because by now, any thinking person knows that all the protocols and mandates are, are not grounded in science. They're about politics. Mm -hmm. And the politicians are going to do whatever helps them to poll well. And uh, they're not basing their decisions on science. I mean, our own prime minister put out a tweet just a few hours ago that said he's been potentially exposed to COVID-19, so he's isolating for five days. And I'm thinking, and he says, according to the Ottawa Health, well, Sorry, dude, but you don't have to isolate by law when you've been triple jabbed. I mean, read the law. So, you know, many people, I think, are rightly saying this is this is him hiding. Mm -hmm. The trucker convoy is coming into town and suddenly he's disappearing for five days. But anyway, we're going to continue to yeah. push forward with this. And it's it really is an exciting initiative. That's neat. And so maybe you can give a summary as well to uh, our listeners. What's the media response? What are politicians' response to this? Uh, what have we seen? Well, nowadays, we kind of have to divide the media into two camps, the liars and the truth tellers. Mm -hmm. So the liars are primarily the CBCs, the global news, the, 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 the left-leaning statist media that always parrots whatever Justin Trudeau or the radical lockdownites or the mysterious science table happens to believe. And... Then we have media outlets that actually want to do real journalism and report on what people are saying, what people are doing, and why they're doing it. So we kind of have two camps. But if the, the mainstream media, as we often call it, which are primarily the liars, what, what we've seen from them is the first several days when this convoy was sort of building steam, crickets, crickets. Mm -hmm. They didn't respond to it at all. It's just mysteriously absent from the main line media outlets. Now what we've seen, it's so obvious, it's so ridiculously obvious, and I, I want to make sure our, our readers see this. Now they're, it's almost like they've gotten together and they've created a narrative. Mm -hmm. And the narrative essentially is, well, let's frame the trucker convoy as a bunch of extremist, right-wing, fringe, racist, misogynist, 
they just throw out all, all, the labels. all these labels. Yeah. It's kind of hilarious, but it's actually sad that intelligent people who went to university and report for these newspapers will actually write this stuff. Mm -hmm. it's, it really is quite ridiculous. The transport minister, the federal transport minister, here's what he said. It was reported in the Windsor Star. Um, he says, I'm concerned, quote, about the small number of far-right vocal opposition that is polluting, as he says, the political <laughs> debate. So the, uh, they, they, they immediately go to labels, kind of extremist labels. They want to they frame up the trucker convoy. They're, they're a bunch of lunatics. They're a minority group. They're a bunch of radicalists. They're, they're far right. It's been it's been reported as a an anti-vax protest, and by the way, let me just comment on that word for a moment. Um, first of all, if someone's anti-vaccination, who cares? Like when when did we when did we find a chapter in the Bible or in any moral code that says if you're opposed to vaccinations, you're an immoral person? <laughs> it's funny how you just say why not. Why not have um, positive language applied, like vaccine-free? I'm vaccine-free, kind of like I'm gluten-free or I'm calorie-free or I'm sugar-free or whatever it might be. Those would be positive ways of framing it up. So we would have the pro-vaccination crowd and the um, vaccination-free cr uh, crowd. But what what people do when they're trying to manipulate and win an argument is they they create pejoratives, right? They they make words like swear words. They make words bad. And the media has been very successful and the politicians have been very successful in putting vaccine-free people, pushing them back on their heels and you're anti-vax, you're anti-vax. You're like, oh, no, no, I'm not anti-vax. I'm not anti-vax. <laughs> and people are like running around apologizing for something they don't need to apologize for. If you don't want to get the vaccine, who cares? If you want to get the vaccine, who cares? Nobody's getting any brownie points for this from God. Nobody's getting gold stars from God because they got vaxxed or didn't get vaxxed. That's your choice. It's a medical treatment. It's up to you. But we all know that when, when you control the definitions of words, then you're more likely to win the argument. So this, this is the kind of language that we, we need to be concerned about. But what I did today, Chris, is I did a Google search. And I just typed in Canadian Trucker Convoy in Google, and I clicked on the news tab. Mm -hmm. And I looked at the headlines that pop up from uh, various news outlets. And you don't even have to read the articles. It's, it's sad, but it's hilarious. So Global News, in their headlines, reporting on the trucker convoy, had the terms fringe minority, unacceptable views. The National Observer had the word anti-vaxxer in it. And then the insidious spread of Trumpism. And then the National Post in their headline had far right fringe. So you, you can, it's so obvious what the media is trying to do. This is where the term fake news comes from. It's fake. It not, not, it's not fake in the sense that there's, there's no truth to what's being reported, but there's so much spin on it. There's so much I, so much of an ideological bent to it that it's dishonest reporting. In that sense, it's fake. Mm -hmm. So the way we would hope that journalists would conduct themselves is they would show up, let's say, at a protest. They would observe what's going on. So they'd observe the messaging. They would interview the organizers of it and ask questions like, why are you doing this? What are your goals? What are your objectives? They would maybe interview people that are countering that protest and say, why are you here? Why, why don't you like this protest? Why are you here to counter the protest? And they would maybe count the number of people and the, the location and any relevant details. And they just report on that. Mm -hmm. They'd say, dear reader, this is what happened. This is what this person said. This is what this person said. And that's it. They would report on the situation. They would mm -hmm. tell us what happened why it's happening, and per perhaps present two different views. That's journalism. That would be good journalism. But that's not what journalists do today. They, these mainstream journalists, have an ideology. Mm -hmm. So they are pro-statist. They are pro-forced vax. 
They're anti-choice when it comes to vaccination. Anybody who's pro-liberty or pro-freedom or pro-Christian or pro-Bible or any of these things that historically would have been considered pretty normal is now an extremist mm -hmm. or a, a radical, you know, right-wing uh, freak. So this is a, you know, we'll talk about this more under, uh, under extremism, but this is manipulation of the highest order. Mm -hmm. and this is why people largely don't or at least shouldn't trust the media anymore because whenever they present something, there's always this ideological spin on it. Mm -hmm. And and when you see it enough, you're like, aha, I can see their tactics. I know exactly what they're doing and I'm not gonna be duped by it and I'm not gonna stop speaking truth just because they're putting pressure on me to keep my mouth shut because I'm so concerned about being called far right or extremist or anti-vax. Right, yep. Yeah, so, okay, thinking about that, we've got some opposition, obviously, from the media, from some politicians to this convoy and to what it stands for um, and some mislabeling and whatnot. So the natural question a lot of people are probably going to ask is how can we help the convoy to succeed? What can we actually practically do if you don't have a big rig? <laughs> sure, yeah. Well, we want to obviously be praying for it and um, trusting the Lord will use this to um, forward our cause. Always remember to to think of these things as increments that move us towards liberty and victory. So let's not ever think well, this protest or this convoy or this message is going to fix everything. Mm -hmm. We are in for a long, long fight, a multi-generational fight, I believe now, against statism and tyranny and godlessness in our nation. So the convoy, I think, is going to have a significant influence on the narrative, but let's not, let's just choose now not to be discouraged if uh, less comes out of it than we would hope. Mm -hmm. And let's not put too much faith in it, but at the same time, let's get behind it and support it. So there's there's several things you can do. One, one would be to use your social media influence to post about what's going on, to to put the message out there, to remind people that vaccinated people and unvaccinated people should together stand against the, the immoral vax mandates. So we want to use our social media voice for that. We also want to have conversations with people as we have opportunities to, to remind them that vaccinated people and unvaccinated people need to stand together. The politicians are trying to divide us over a virus. Mm -hmm. And they're trying to divide us over a virus in order to promote a statist agenda. That's very clear by now. That's why you have all these ideological bills, Bill C-4, Bill C-7 being passed during a pandemic because those represent the radical left, mm -hmm. the statist, the totalitarian agenda, as we would call it. Also, if you have opportunities, now the time's getting a little tight here, but getting out, getting on the overpasses when the convoy passes through your area. I know it's already passed through our city. You were out this morning yep. in Comber, but getting on the overpasses, waving, cheering, holding up flags. We did a little bit of that yesterday to encourage the convoy. If you have a big rig or a big truck, get in the convoy. If you have time, pack some blankets, pack some pillows. You might be sleeping in your truck. Make sure you take some water. Make sure you're fueled up. Consider joining in the convoy and heading up to Ottawa. And then if you have the opportunity, go up to Ottawa and participate either at the sort of inaugural entry of the uh, convoy into Ottawa or, you know, anytime in the next week or two, because chances are they're going to be there for a little while. So those are some mm -hmm. ways that we can contribute. And also, if you have the financial means, I know they have a GoFundMe account now, currently, unless it's changed in the last few hours, it's been suspended by GoFundMe because they're wanting more information from the organizers. But maybe you know someone who's going to go up and you can slip them some gas money or make them a meal mm -hmm. and send it along with them. That's awesome. Yeah, it's really neat to see how it's uniting people across the country. And there's just a, a really good atmosphere around the uh, an excitement about being able to do something very tangible. So that's good. Now, Aaron, I know you've been concerned um, for a long time about the subtle and well, really not so subtle lies sneaking into journalism and the media. And we talked about that a bit, but can you expand a little bit more about your main concerns there? Well, I think my main concern is about extremism. The mainstream media 
has worked overtime, and we've already commented on this in the show, has worked overtime on trying to frame up the truck convoy, the trucker convoy, as a bunch of extremists. And last year, when we were at protests, whether mm-hmm. it was political protests or the, the church worship protest, again, you're, you're either ignored by the media, which makes you leads you to believe that they think of you as a, very much of a fringe group, unworthy of any sort of honest reporting. So for example, the media knew we were doing a church service on at Queens Park at our provincial legislature there, I guess it'd be close to a year and a half ago, and they didn't even bother showing up for it, even though they, they reported in the Windsor Star previously that I was gonna be doing it, mm-hmm. or I was gonna be participating in that. So they view you as being so fringy that they don't even bother reporting on you, or when they report on you, they just report you know the the anti-vax, all the negatives, the far right extremists, yep. the the these people don't love their neighbors, the granny killer crowd, right? So there's a lot of dishonest reporting. But what I what I want to do is to help to reshape the narrative for people and to remind people that we are not the extremists. The extremists are the Trudeauites, are the mm-hmm. lockdownites, are the Fordites, are the technocratites, are the science tableites, are the forced vaxites. It's all these people that are destroying, literally destroying the fabric of our country and culture mm-hmm. and are trying to pre- present themselves as being normal, which is really shocking. Mm-hmm. So I want people to think about this. Think about the tactics of a tyrant. And I was thinking about this last night and did a little bit of, put a little more thought into it this morning. One of the tactics that tyrants and the radical left use to control liberty-minded people, it's it's very interesting. What they do is they falsely accuse the righteous, the liberty-minded people of plotting evil. Mm -hmm. And they're very attentive at this. And the way they do that is they they appeal to more language. So what tyrants want to do is they want to sort of, if you think of it visually, they want to they want to present themselves as taking the moral high ground. They're up on on the pulpits. They're up on the the high ground of the landscape, and they are close to God. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they are they are in touch with that which is righteous and good. And what they do is they appeal to moral language to try to shame their opponents, mm-hmm. to try to shame liberty minded people. They say things like, well, you need to do the right thing. Yep. Get vaccinated. If you're not vaccinated, somehow you're a misogynist. You know, you hate women or you're a racist. You need to love your neighbor. Or they asked questions like, don't you believe in science? Or are you trying to kill people? Or we had our own, you know, medical director here locally last year when we were opening our church. I'm begging them. I'm begging them to close their church. Mm-hmm. Like he won't have a conversation with you and he will never return your letters, but it sounds great in the front page of the Windsor Star. Mm-hmm. I'm begging them, yeah. you know, please do the right thing and close your door, right? They're called, they call us fringe extremists. The, the mayor of Windsor, uh, Pastor Rock, please tell your congregation to get vaccinated. It's the only way out of the pandemic. <laughs> so they, they all take the moral high ground. They're, they, you know, I beg you to close your business, close your gym down, close your store, uh, just stay home, stay safe. Please do it for the sake of society. Or they're plotting violence. And in order to do this, what they'll do is they'll find some oddball that's like, Let's go to civil war. Let's let's get our guns out. Storm, you know, the parliament buildings. They'll they'll pick some ex- genuine extremist, some oddball, and they'll highlight him. Mm-hmm. Or they'll pick someone that they know the average person hates. Like yep. they they picked uh, Donald Trump Jr. and they they posted his picture all over um, uh, social media that Trumpism is coming to Canada. We're so concerned that this might turn into the truck convoy might turn into the, like a Capitol Hill riot. Right. So now the, the fascinating thing about this, and it, it, it's, it is kind of hilarious. These are tyrants. Okay. They, these are people that want to control every aspect of your life that hate Jesus Christ, that hate the Bible, that hate free speech, that hate capitalism, that hate business owners. They want to force you 
to apologize for accusations that you're not even guilty of. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, good people are often they have they have they actually have consciences. So they're super sensitive to being considered a racist or being considered an extremist or far right. So then having been falsely accused by tyrants mm-hmm. of evil, you know, you'll, you'll hear a lot of preachers and teachers and Christians or on, on social media. Oh, I just want everybody to know I'm not a racist. You know, oh, I don't, I'm not a racist. I'm not, I'm not a homophobe. Mm-hmm. I'm uh, I'm not anti-vax. We're always, we're always on the defense. We're like defending ourselves from people that are attacking us drawing they draw upon moral categories but they have no moral foundation to even declare right from wrong and it really is the height of manipulation and coercion so when you see the prime minister or the leftist media or t- t- twitter censoring people's tweets mm-hmm. or facebook censoring people's posts while allowing all sorts of uh, advertising, uh, blasphemous language, swear words, um, half-naked people, you know, inappropriate humor all, all mm-hmm. over these platforms. But if you dare raise your hand and say, um, I got a question. Is it right for the health unit to control every aspect of my life for two years? Oh, you're a right-wing extremist. Right. You're a fringe you're a danger to society. You're probably going to go shoot up the health unit or something like that. Okay, th- these these are the actions of despicable people. The, the, the extremists in our culture are the radical lefties that want us to believe a whole bucket full of lies. They want us to believe that your gender is not biologically set. They want us to believe that the Bible is a myth. They want us to believe that it's okay to inject drugs to kill someone who doesn't want to live any longer. Mm -hmm. They want to make you think it's okay to allow big box stores to remain wide open during pandemics and to destroy small business. They, They want you to believe that it's normal and acceptable for technocrats, unelected officials to control every aspect of your life. And they'll do it appealing to science or moral categories. These people are morally vacuous. By the way, if anybody wants to say they're an anti-vaxxer, I'm an anti-vacuous-er. You know, I'm, <laughs> I'm anti-mindlessness. I'm anti-stupidity. But this is the society that we live in. It's a vacuous society. It's a mindless society. It's a brainless society. It's an immoral society. So when we have people forcing vaccines, declaring the Bible to be a myth, you can pick your gender. They trample on every charter right and then have the gall to actually celebrate Remembrance Day. Mm -hmm. What a joke. To celebrate the sacrifices that our forebears made for our freedom. People that are literally printing money and destroying the economy, people who think they they can control the worship and ministry of the Christian church, people who kill seniors, who advocate lockdownism, who compare normal people who want liberty to terrorists. Mm -hmm. These are disgusting people. And when, when the godless claim moral superiority, this is when our antennas should go up and we're like, they're lying. Mm-hmm. They're lying. They're liars. And it's all manipulation. It's all smoke and mirrors. And so this is my main concern about the media. The media literally has been hijacked by godless liars and is largely run by godless liars. And when, when we read the global news, when we read the CBC articles, National Post is kind of hit and miss. When we read these publications, there's sort of, for the most part, there's one conclusion you're going to draw. Whatever they're going to say is probably a lie. So then you got to go cross-reference it and look at other more trustworthy media outlets to try to understand what the full truth is. Mm-hmm. It's more, it's less about being informed about what's actually going on. And it's, it's, it's more about being made aware of how evil the world has become. When we read... CBC or watch CBC. That's kind of what I draw from it. It's like I'm 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 
watching it or I'm reading it more for the sake of understanding what the lies are and what the propaganda is going to be than actually looking to find out what the truth is. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think that hits a, that, that describes it very, very well. And so the natural question that comes to my mind is, okay, now we want to teach people to spot the lie. Uh, You've said it before when, you know, if you say something enough times, say a lie enough times, people will believe it to be true. Uh, So at first it might sound a little ludicrous, but you keep repeating it and it, becomes the narrative comes true. So what are some ways that people can spot the lie uh, and stay focused on truth? Well, I hate to be overly simplistic, but it needs to start with the Bible. If people don't understand and have a clear biblical view of economics, biblical view of authority, Mm -hmm. a biblical view of society, a biblical view of culture, then they're going to get sucked into believing whoever has the loudest voice. And we need a revival in our churches and we need a revival in our country of biblical awareness. It has to, and it starts with the church. So the, the airy fairy flaky preaching, the mushy middle kind of Christianity that so many of us have been exposed to, it has to go the way of the dodo bird. It has to has to end. We need a revival of biblical sound exposition in our churches. And it can't just be, this is what the Bible says, 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 let's pray and then go home. It has to be, let's preach the Bible and let's preach it into the culture around us. We need to preach a strong, biblically robust view of marriage, of what it means to be a man, what it means to be a woman. Many young men that I disciple have never been taught role relationships. What is the difference between a man and a woman apart from their biology? They don't know. Mm -hmm. They sense that there's a difference, but no one's ever said to them, this is what men do. This is what women do. This is the difference between a man and a woman. Here are their respective roles in life, in culture, in marriage, in the family. We need to preach that. We need to help people to understand that. We need to help people to understand a biblical view of science. As Christians, we're very interested in exploring the natural world around us. It's God's creation. It declares and manifests for us many of the glories of God. It helps us to understand our creator but we have to help people to have a biblically robust understanding of human origins and science. Mm-hmm. And there's great ministries like Answers in Genesis that are sort of poo-pooed by many. But these are great ministries that help people to think through the issues. I know we're having an Answers in Genesis conference at our own church on a Friday and Saturday at the end of February. Because we're trying to help our people to think clearly about matters of human origins, about how to, how to approach questions of science. We need to help people to have a biblically robust view of economics, Mm -hmm. of what it means to give and be generous, and then to steward your money and to save and to pay your way. We we need to confront uh, the political lies, the various false ideologies, the godless ideologies, whether it be socialism or communism or Marxism or even selfish capitalism. We need to help people to confront these things from a biblical worldview. Mm -hmm. So- the the whole let go and let God movement is pr- pretty dangerous. The movement that says, "Well, we're just going to pray about it. We're just going to we're just going to open our Bibles on Sundays and we're going to preach this way." The Bible says, "The Bible says, the Bible says, the Bible says," and then we're going to close and send people home and let them figure it out for themselves. Let them make mm-hmm. the connections for themselves. No, we need to preach into the circumstances of our world. Jesus did this. He didn't preach sermons just into thin air. He preached against the hypocrisy of the Sadducees, or he he preached against injustice, injustice towards the widow and the orphan, or he helped people to understand what it means to actually walk in love. They're always specific messages. Luther and Calvin and Zwingli and all these guys in the Reformation, they were preaching truth into the culture, Mm -hmm. into the problems of their times, into the challenges of the moment. 
But now we've had this reductionistic view of the gospel that says the gospel is just about getting people saved, Mm -hmm. just about getting people to heaven, just about getting your fire insurance from hell. No, the gospel, if you look at the wholeness of scripture, it's about the lordship of Christ over every ruler, every authority, every throne, preaching Christ into culture, whether you have an optimistic view of how it's going to end or a pessimistic view of how it's going to end, it doesn't matter. We are called to preach truth into culture. Mm-hmm. Culture is just a collection of the, the values, the structures, the belief systems, the gods of a particular group of people living in a particular landmass, for example. Mm-hmm. Well, they're going to be governed by lies or they're going to be governed by truth. So we need to bring a principled clarity to these issues. One thing on that I was going to mention, I've seen a movement of people that say we should just convert work, focus on Christianizing the population in terms of not, not from the top down, but in terms of we should seek to see people saved and then that'll transform the culture. But the problem is if you don't teach anything more than just the gospel saves you from hell and you don't teach the gospel fully orb, what you end up with is what we see now Christians in there are people who claim Christ in high offices that do not run things Christianly. They don't think Christianly about economics or all these matters, health, pandemics, right? Um, yeah, they, might, so be, they might be born again. They might be professing Christians, but they don't actually have a Christian worldview necessarily. Right. So we have to help people to develop that. Mm-hmm. And that's the responsibility of pastors and teachers who are equipping God's people for the work of the ministry. We're helping people to think Christianly Mm -hmm. about how they're raising their families, spending their money, running their businesses. I I think people are very um, fed up with like simplistic Christianity Mm -hmm. where it's like, well, what does it mean to be a Christian businessman? Well, just put John 316 in your business card or make sure once you have a Christmas banquet and have one of your better employees stand up and pray at the Christmas banquet. Okay, come on. This is not this is not a robust understanding of how to function as a Christian business person. The values of your company, the way money is spent, the way employees are treated, the way you talk, the way you lobby, the way you spend your money on charitable organizations, all of this flows from a Christian worldview. Mm-hmm. The way you conduct yourself with your wife, the example that you set, the, the hours that you keep, So this is good, Chris. We need to help people to have a more comprehensive view. Mm -hmm. I also think when when we're talking about equipping people, we need to help people to to look to the media to inform them, and we need to demand that the media informs us, not try to persuade us. Mm -hmm. The journalist doesn't need to persuade us. You can leave that to the preachers and the teachers and the talk show hosts and the podcast guys like you and I to try to persuade people to a particular viewpoint. But the media is... The, the venue that the population as a whole has to access information. So just mm-hmm. give us the information, keep your opinions to yourself. I mean, every, we used to have these opinion pieces in yep. newspapers. You'd open it up, you'd have reports on this, that, another thing. And then you have like an opinion column. Everything reads like an opinion yeah. column now. Everything's an opinion column. And it's bent in, in the direction of statism, totalitarianism, and atheism, really. Mm-hmm. That's how it's bent. Mm-hmm. Okay, so finally, then, how do we introduce people to better media options and get the truth out? Well, first of all, it's a lot of this is driven by money. So if you have a subscription, if you're paying for a newspaper or you're paying for advertising in a newspaper or a media outlet that is promoting lies, stop giving them your money. Mm-hmm. Uh, even when you are, you have to be careful about how much time you spend clicking through their website because they get paid uh, by their advertisers based upon the, the amount of traffic they they have. So you have to be careful about that as well. So hit them in the pocketbook. That's what they're. That's what they do to everyone else, right? Mm-hmm. They're like, if you don't get the jab, we're going to fire you. So if you don't, if you keep opening your church, we're going to fine you hundreds of thousands of dollars. So they try to punish good people by hitting them in the pocketbook. So we shouldn't be supporting these industries, these agencies that are propagating truth. Just like I've said to people, I don't support businesses that support vax mandates. I'm not going to spend my money 
supporting businesses that support vax mandates. I don't care what their excuses are. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to do it. So we don't support media agencies that promulgate lies. We also would be wise to diversify our social media platforms. So one of the things I've been encouraging people to consider is keep using Facebook and Twitter, but get on Gab and Getter as well. Mm-hmm. Now there's pluses and minuses to those platforms. Gab's probably long-term going to be better than Getter, but Getter looks better mm-hmm. right now. But that aside, to, if you're going to post something, what I like to do is I'm going I'm to put a post out. I just do a quick cut and paste, drop it on Facebook, drop it on Gab, drop it on Getter, drop it on Twitter. That way I'm using all four media platforms to get the message out because at any point in time, they could slam the door shut and Facebook is done, mm-hmm. right? Like we're not allowed to access it anymore because we're considered extremist right-wing fringe. We are right. Mm-hmm. As in right, like correct. Yes. <laughs> yes. We're correct wing. <laughs> yeah, correct wing. So we're, we're correct wing fringe. But um, I, I think there's some wisdom there. Like I, I have, I think- 4,500 um, friends, followers on um, friends on Facebook and maybe 1,500, 1,600 followers as well. And so that's, you know, it's, it's it'd be kind of sad if all that influence goes away, but oh, well. Yep. But I'm building up these other platforms as well because the radical lefties, as I would call them, or wrongies, mm-hmm. if you want to call them that, are trying to drive us off those kind of platforms and they probably will eventually succeed. Mm-hmm. So making sure we can continue to speak truth to one another and to, to inform people through these other platforms is wise. And I would encourage my listeners to, if you're on social media, to get on those platforms today, mm-hmm. not tomorrow, not next week, to, to download those apps and to get on them today. Because if you lose your voice, it's going to be hard to get back. Mm-hmm. So diversifying your social media platforms and then making sure you're reading various news sources. So I, I am very much aware that there are some news sources that are more favorably disposed mm-hmm. to our viewpoint mm-hmm. that still aren't always super accurate yep. in the way they report. They they may have a, um, a bias to not objectively listen to, to our opponents either. But if you have, on one hand, let's say you're reading – the uh, the National Post, the Toronto Star, the Toronto Sun, CBC, um, Global News. I would also encourage you to be reading Rebel News, the Western Standard, um, True North, and, True North, paying yep. attention in the U.S. to what Ben Shapiro puts out. So make sure that you are uh, balancing out the reporting. I mean, it was funny several years ago when I just want some American news, I'd click on CNN and I'd mm-hmm. read what they're saying. And then I click on Fox news yeah. and I figure, well, the truth's probably somewhere in between. Yeah. <laughs> so the ideological bent yeah. of these agencies are pretty obvious. Mm-hmm. So just being aware of that and not making sure too, that you're fact checking things. Yep. Um, I, I want to be, I want to just put a call out to those, those of you that are freedom fighters and liberty minded people, just because you see some grainy video clip, or some article going around or some claim going around, be careful that you don't necessarily believe it to be true without doing your own little fact checking. Yep. Sometimes people, oh, oh, such and such said this, and you start to Google search it and it's not true. Mm-hmm. Or um, you know, people might accuse a particular company of standing in the way of the convoy or whatever, mm-hmm. and then you realize it's not true. So be, be yeah. careful not not to promote lies. We are responsible for every word spoken. Yep. So make sure that you're not promoting lies. Make sure you're promoting the truth, but don't run around apologizing to the the true extremists. The yeah. true extremists in our country are the godless, the the lockdownites, the um the the medical tyrants. Those are the those are the extremists. And mm-hmm. frankly, if we rewound the clock even 20 years that would be so, so obvious, mm-hmm. but we're like frogs in the kettle. We've gotten used to this extremism. The extremists present themselves as normal. Then they try to label normal people as extremists and we're back on our heels and we're trying to defend ourselves from all these attacks. But the truth is the truth. It's normal, okay? It's normal, folks. You're not an extremist. It's normal 
to demand liberty and freedom. Why? Because it's not granted to you by the state. That's right. It's granted to you by God. Mm-hmm. It's not the state's job to give and take your liberty, your freedom, your bodily autonomy from you. That is granted to you by God. So you sh- you should defend it and you should fight for it. And we're mm-hmm. looking forward to seeing some ba- bushel baskets full of fruit resulting mm-hmm. from our efforts. And certainly we're cheering on the truckers convoy and I'm sure there's going to be some interesting things that happen in Ottawa, maybe some of which we won't necessarily approve of, but uh, hopefully there's some some good results that we can all um, be encouraged by in the days and weeks to come. Mm-hmm. Well, speaking of censorship and whatnot, I think uh, the the Leadership Now podcast is gaining such popularity that we're about to pull a Joe Rogan stunt where, you know, if they demand that somebody else demands our our podcast pulled off a platform that they'll, they'll cancel that other person, right? (laughs) That was Neil Young and Joe Rogan. (laughs) So, yeah. So keep subscribing and sharing. (laughs) Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Hey, we are getting, we are getting a a growing listener base. I don't know how many subscribers we have because we're sort of on all these different platforms, Mm -hmm. but regarding censorship, regarding censorship, this is one of the reasons why among other platforms, we're really encouraging people to access our podcast through the Fight, Last, Laugh, Feast app. Mm-hmm. The reason for that is they can't really shut down an app. So if, if the podcast is on an app, this is a, a designed by the, the Fight, Laugh, Feast network. So if they toss us off Spotify or censor us on social media, people can still access our content through our app. Mm-hmm. So we're, we're everywhere. We're on, we're on Spotify. Yep. Uh, we post it on Facebook. Yep. We, we're posting them now on Getter, on Google, uh, I don't know if we're on Twitter. Are we on Twitter? Uh, that's a good question. I don't know. Okay, if we are. so maybe maybe not on Twitter. I I usually po- repost them to my personal account on Twitter, and then we were we're obviously in the Fight Laugh Feast network. You can access them through HarvestWindsor.ca, our website, yep. and you can access them on my personal blog PursuitOfGlory.org. So there's there's lots of ways to access this kind of content and teaching, but. Don't just rely upon sort of what we would call the 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 popular platforms because at any point in time they they might try to toss us off because our opponents are pretty venomous, right? They know that people will understand truth when they hear it. And when you speak the truth, people are like, that makes sense. Okay, I get that. They don't want the truth getting out. And so you got, you know, yep. the, the 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 musicians trying to threaten to have Rogan's podcast tossed off. But anyway, yeah, I could go on and on and on. I think, yeah, exactly. I think people understand what I'm talking about. That's good. Well, you did a better outro there than I did in terms of, <laughs> hey, subscribe on all these platforms. So please do subscribe, like it. Uh, that helps it. And to share it, share it via social media channels and whatnot. And uh, as mentioned, the Fight, Laugh, Feast app you can get and download. Um, we're also heard on CJXC Radio. And so we're grateful for their partnership there and um, broadcasting 11 a.m. Tuesdays and 11 p.m. Thursdays. And that is it for this week. So thank you for listening. Thank you, Aaron, for sharing. And tune back in next week for another episode of Leadership Now with Dr. Aaron Rock. Mm -hmm.